our series, um, looking at the book of Jonah, and we've got to um, just to the end of chapter 1. So um, today's portion will be Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, through to chapter 2 and verse 10. And it's, um, we've read that Jonah um, was asked by the Lord to, to go to the city of Nineveh and preach there. But as we know, he, he fled. He turned the other way, went in the other direction, and boarded a boat. And then we, re- we read that there was a storm, and that, that Jonah knew that this was a judgment from God. And he asked those who were on the boat to throw him overboard. And so we pick up the story with, um, with him being thrown over uh, into the, the sea, and it was immediately calmed. So really what we're looking at uh, this week is Jonah is in the belly of the fish. Um, God sends a fish to spare his life and to, to swallow him. And we, we see Jonah um, praying to God in the belly of the fish. So it, it's really, it's a prayer of thanksgiving, as we'll see in the second when we read the passage. Um, and it reveals some things about the character of Jonah. And it also gives us an understanding of who God is. And it reveals what Jonah um, knew of God and his understanding of God. And so there's some lessons for us to take away as well, um, in a real practical way. So we'll begin just by reading the passage. It's Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, And he answered me, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So, it's clear then that that Jonah knew that the situation he was in was was a dire one, of course. Um, He knew he was was moments from death when he was thrown into that water. But yet, the the language of his prayer and, and the things that he says to God tell us that he still had some hope. He knew that God was was an all-powerful God and a merciful God. And he he still had that hope that God would rescue him, even though the situation looked dire. Um, And we read um, straight away in in the opening verse of our passage, in in chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord provided a huge fish. It's quite an unorthodox method of of saving someone, isn't it, to to provide a huge fish to swallow them when they're drowning. And perhaps... Um, although we read it says the Lord provided a huge fish perhaps that's not the way Jonah saw it at first perhaps it didn't seem like a a salvation to be swallowed 
hole by a fish in that way. Um, but we know that it was, it was because of that, that that Jonah survived, of course. I think that's the first simple takeaway that we can, we can get from the passage is that sometimes God's goodness comes to us in ways that we wouldn't expect. But of course, ultimately, we know that he knows better than we do what's best for us. So we have the all-powerful God and the merciful God um, sending a fish to, to save Jonah from, from his peril. And it's, as we've said, an unorthodox way, but it's, it's God's way that he had for, for rescuing Jonah from that situation. Uh, I think another question that we can, we can ask ourselves um, when we look at the story of Jonah, we can, we can wonder if we stray from what God has planned for us, if we stray from what God asks us to do, will he still meet our need? Will he still look after us? And will he still use us to accomplish his will? Perhaps we can think of times when we know that God wants us to do something and we've, we've chosen to, to go the other way as Jonah did. We've chosen not to do it or we've chosen to, to do something else that suits us better. And perhaps we can sometimes have a, a feeling that, well, we've gone against God, so there's, there's, nothing, there's no reason why God would ever help me now. There's no reason why, why God would still use me um, for what he wants to do. Well, the story of Jonah is, is evidence against that, isn't it? We see that, that God will still use us, God will still um, save us and, and meet our needs. Um, of course, we do indeed read in God's word that he values the prayers of the righteous. So there's, there's an idea that, that if, if you're living a righteous life, if you're trying your best to please God and you try to do the things that God wants, then God will value your prayers. It says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So yes, there is that element of, of um, God valuing the prayers of those who are trying to obey him and trying to do the things he wants them to do. But on the other hand, we know, don't we, and we've been remembering this morning, that God loved us before we loved him. And he loved us as sinners who had no hope of being reconciled to him. And um, the fact is that even when we've been trying our best to please God, we've always been sinful people. We've always been um, below God's standard. And yet God has always been merciful to us. So when we think of times when we've made a wrong choice or gone the wrong way, um, even before we'd, we'd ever done that, even before we'd ever made that wrong choice, um, we were still sinners. We were still short of God's standard, but God was still merciful to us and God was still able to use us, wasn't he? So just a, a, an encouragement there for us. Um, Jonah was someone who had clearly turned um, and gone in the opposite direction from what God had wanted of him. But God was still able to use him and God was still willing to forgive him. <clears throat> so to, just to summarise that, if God required us to be flawless in our obedience to him, then none of us would be useful to him at all. So no doubt it would have been better if Jonah had obeyed God in the first place. Um, it would have shown he had... Um, an obedient attitude towards God. And of course it would have been better for Jonah himself because he wouldn't have had to go through the ordeal that he went through. But nevertheless, God was still able to use Jonah um, despite his decision to, to run away. God was still able to use him. So it's much better for us to do what God wants first time. And it's honouring to God to do that. And no doubt it's better for us in many cases just to do what God wants first time. But 
just for us to remember God doesn't give up on us the moment we fail. And he can work even in our wrong choices and the things that he doesn't want to accomplish his will, that he does want. So we see the Lord's provision in sending the fish and we see how he works in in these mysterious ways to, to achieve his will. We also see from Jonah's prayer, we see it quite a lot about what he believes is the character of God. We see Jonah's theology, if you like. So we can see a few things in that. Firstly, we can see that um, Jonah believes his whole ordeal, this, this, um, this situation that he's in, is God's judgment. We read in, in verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea. And he says, All your waves and breakers swept over me. So there's a sense that this whole thing is from God, and it's a judgment from God. And Jonah would have been looking back at the, um, the situation on the boat when they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah would have known that that was God um, identifying him as the one who had brought this, this storm on them. And God had identified him as the guilty party, if you like, among those on the boat. <clears throat> so Jonah was aware that he, he was being judged by God, and yet... As we've said, he still had that element of hope for himself. Um, We read in his prayer that he says, Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. It's thought that this isn't um, an expression for heaven. This isn't the holy temple meaning meaning God's presence. But rather, um, the temple, the earthly temple. So it was Jonah saying um, that he still had some hope that he was going to be saved. Um, So this tells us that Jonah had a deep-held belief about God that he was merciful by nature. Um, Not only that, but he had real faith that God was able to save him if he wanted to. So this was an expression, really, that Jonah believed that God was merciful, i.e. he wanted to save Jonah, or he wanted to to give him a second chance, perhaps. And he was also... um, Sorry, he was willing and he was also able to save him because he was an all-powerful God. Um, and he was able to save Jonah if he chose to. So if we, if we carry on through, through the verses, we read that he says, You, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. So what does this tell us about what Jonah believes of God? Well, it tells us that it, he believed that it was God who had saved him. Um, of course, it would be quite a, an amazing coincidence for a, a fish to come along and swallow him whole. So perhaps it was an obvious thing to say that it was God who saved him. But it just it led me to, to think, well, what about the less obvious times? Um, what about times in our life when, when we've asked God to do something for us and he's come through for us? And perhaps it's something that's not quite as miraculous as this, but perhaps it's something that's more, more ordinary. Um, and it just got me thinking, um, do we still give God thanks for the more ordinary blessings? I found myself sometimes um, thinking maybe a good thing has happened to me. And I think, well, was that God or was that coincidence or was that just someone doing a good thing or, or all these kinds of things? And, and I think we try sometimes to dissect the good things that happen to us and think, well, was that God or was it not God? Um, there's a helpful verse that I'm sure familiar to many of us in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Um, the NIV says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, 
I think the NLT version is, is really helpful, though. It says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. So I think that's really helpful for us when we're, we're considering the, the blessings that God has given us. Um, we can be sure that all the good things are ultimately from God, no matter um, what mechanism he might use to, to bless us or, or the people who he might work through to, to give us good things. We can be sure from that verse that the good things that we have um, in our lives are from God. Um, so even the things that we, we might not call miraculous, the things that seem very ordinary, we can be thankful to God um, for the good things that he gives us. There's that, um, that old uh, song, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It's very simple advice, isn't it? But I think it's really good advice for us. Um, if we spend just a few minutes just looking at the things that we have in our life, the good things, the blessings, um, and perhaps even name, naming them to God in prayer and thanking God for them, um, it will really surprise us that the good things that God has done for us, and we can be sure that they're from God. If we look at verse um, 8 and 9 in our passage, we read that Jonah is thankful to God and he makes sure to, to thank God um, explicitly. He says in verse 9, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Um, it's a reminder for us, I think, simply to, to give thanks. When we acknowledge that something is from God, and we've just said that all good things are from God, it's important for us to come to God and thank him. In Luke 17, we read, um, we read that Jesus heals ten lepers. And we read that only one comes back to him to thank him. And in verse 17, Jesus says, We're not all ten cleansed. Where then are the other nine? Was no one found except this foreigner to return and give glory to God? I think it's a reminder for us just to, to make sure that we're thankful to God for the good things. There are some who are blessed by God and they don't even know it. They don't even know that the good thing that has happened to them is from him. Others, perhaps ourselves, may realise that the blessing comes from God. But perhaps we, we just fall short of, of saying thank you to him. So let's be in the habit of giving thanks to God for all his goodness to us. Again, remembering that, that expression in the, in the song. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So when we acknowledge that something is, is from God, a good thing from God, let's be sure to thank him. So we've seen then that Jonah is well aware that the things that are happening to him have been orchestrated by God. Um, He's acknowledged that it was God's judgment that led him to be thrown overboard. And he's acknowledged that it was God's mercy and God's power that led him to be swallowed by the fish and saved from certain death. So it's clear that Jonah, as a prophet, is very knowledgeable about who God is. But it does seem that that doesn't necessarily seem to instruct how he, he lives his life and how he makes his decisions. Um, this experience that he's been through is no doubt hammered home to him who God is and uh, a forceful reminder that he's merciful and that he's all-powerful. But perhaps this doesn't fully influence the decisions he makes even after this experience. So we read, um, in verse 9 we read that he says, 
I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This is a clear expression that, that Jonah knows he's been saved. And he knows that God is a merciful God who has forgiven him for his sin. But we'll come to see in, in our future, um, in the next coming weeks when we look at the rest of the book. We'll see that Jonah doesn't, still doesn't want this same kind of mercy and salvation for, for the people of Nineveh. We read in, in chapter 4, we won't read it now, but we'll come to see in chapter 4 that that's the very reason that he ran away from what God had, had asked him to do. It was because he didn't want Nineveh to enjoy the same mercy from God that he'd had. He felt that um, the people of Israel were, were, were God's chosen people, which they were, and there was an element of jealousy that he didn't want the Ninevites to have that same favour from God. So it seems like although he's declared all these good qualities about God, his mercy and his, his power, he doesn't necessarily want that for other people. So perhaps we can see ourselves in this sometimes. Perhaps there are times when we've been uh, forgiven for something we've, or we've um, not had to face the punishment for something that we've, we've done. Um, but then when it's, when it's happening to someone else, um, we love to see justice done, don't we? We love to see um, a correct punishment being given or something like that. Um, for me, it, it reminds me of, of times in school, perhaps I'd forgot my homework or something and, and, and got away with it. And then when it happens to someone else, you're glad to see that they're, that they're not let off the hook. And, and it's, it's a kind of a natural reaction for us, I think, to, to want to see justice done to others. But... Um, we're quick to forget that we've been forgiven so much, aren't we? Um, an example of this in God's word in the Bible. Um, we can think of the example of, of King David. Um, he takes the wife of Uriah the Hittite and then he has Uriah killed. Um, it's a well-known story to us all, I'm sure. Um, we read in 2 Samuel 12 that the prophet Nathan comes to David... And he tells him a, a parable about a rich man who takes a lamb from a poor man in order to feed um, his guest who's, who's coming to stay with him. And David's reaction when Nathan tells him this story is, it says, He burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. But Nathan says to David, You are that man. So it's just a reminder to us, I think, that we know that God is compassionate and merciful. And we know that we're sinners who have been forgiven for so much. But we don't always live like that, do we? We don't always have that at the forefront of our minds, that we're, we're sinners who have been saved by grace. So I think a challenge for us all is, is to, to want that mercy for other people. When we see others who, who are uh, perhaps caught in some kind of sin or have just, just uh, made a mistake... It's a challenge for us to be merciful and compassionate. And of course, ultimately, we're to want everyone to come to Christ, aren't we? We know that it's only because of him that, that we've been saved from our sin. And it's just, um, it's, it's something that should, should flow out from us, that we want that for other people too. When we're doing our, um, perhaps our gospel meetings or just, just talking to people day to day, it's something that should come to the forefront, that we, we desire that these people should know the forgiveness that we've known. So just a, a challenge for us all there to, to 
pass on that, that compassion and that mercy that has been shown to us. <clears throat> so, although, although Jonah had a, a, good, a good knowledge of who God was, and he knew him as a merciful God, he wasn't necessarily living that out in his own life. <clears throat> but then finally we read, um, Jonah's final salvation was that the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So again, an example of God's power. Um, he has this, this authority over all things on this earth that he can simply um, make the command and, and even the animals will do as well. <clears throat> I think sometimes even though we know that God is all-powerful, we don't truly believe it, do we? Um, and sometimes we're, we're in a situation and we can't see how anyone, even an all-powerful God, can help us. Um, but as we read, um, we read that Jesus himself, the Son of God, calmed the storm, don't we? And those who saw it said, even the winds and the waves obey him. So we see that Jonah was thankful that his life had been spared. Um, but no doubt he was still worried about what would happen next. Um, as, as we look back and we read the account um, hundreds of, or thousands of years later, we can see that God still had a plan for him, even though he'd gone uh, the other way from what God wanted. But perhaps this is much more difficult to see in the moment. So it's easy for us to, to say that we trust God when we feel in control of things, isn't it? When, when we think that everything's going the way we want, it's easy for us to say, yeah, we, we trust God. But then when, the things, when things happen that are outside our control, it's when our faith is really tested. And the question is, do we trust God to do what is best when it matters? So we've seen that, that God saved Jonah and he vomited Jonah, he commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto the dry land. So again, an all-powerful God um, who clearly had a plan for Jonah right from the start. He knew that Jonah was in, in no danger because um, it was him, it was God who was in control. And it would have been difficult for Jonah to see that. But no doubt looking back, he would see that God was in control of everything. So just some things for us to, to take away as a, as a summary, really. Um, I think we can see a lot about God's character in, in the, the passage that we've read in Jonah's prayer. We see a lot about who Jonah believed God to be. But then the challenge is, does our, our knowledge of God or our theology influence our actions and influence how we live our life? So just some things for us to take away. Number one, it was God's provision that led the fish to swallow Jonah. And as we've said, God doesn't always work in the ways that we expect, but we can be sure that he's always working things together to achieve his will. The second thing that we can take is God wants us to choose to obey him first time and to trust him when we make our decisions. But if we do make a wrong choice, if we go our own way, if we neglect to do what God wants of us, um, God is by no means powerless to work through us. <coughs> There's nothing that we can do that will thwart God's plan because he can and he will use us even with all our imperfections. But again, let's, let's do our best to obey first time. Um, a third point for us to take away, um, 
Jonah was thankful to God because God had done a miraculous thing for him. He'd saved his life in a miraculous way. But let's remember that God blesses us every day in perhaps more ordinary ways. And let's count our blessings and, and see that God's goodness to us as much as we can. And again, let's always remember to come back to him and give thanks as Jonah did. It's one thing to acknowledge that um, the good things are from God and it's another to, to come and give thanks to him. Um, a fourth point is um, we know that we're sinners and we know that God has shown amazing mercy to us. But do we want that for others or are we, um, are we jealous or, or possessive even like, like Jonah was? Um, we should be willing to, to show the same mercy that's been shown to us to others and we should eagerly desire that others come to know salvation from God through Jesus. And then the last point is um, it's easy for us to say that we trust in God, isn't it? But this trust is really tested when things are out of our control and when things aren't perhaps going to plan. And so the, the challenge is, do we trust God to do what's best when it really matters? Jonah was in the worst possible situation. He was, he was um, in a situation of certain death, he thought. And yet God used the um, perhaps surprising method of, of a fish to save his life. And we can see, looking back, that God was in control from the very start. He knew that Jonah would make the decision that he made. And he knew that he would be thrown overboard, but he was always in control. And it's a challenge to us just to remember that when things perhaps are, are out of our control, things are confusing to us or, or perhaps even scary to us, um, do we really trust that God is in control and that he'll do what's, what's best? So there's a lot for us to, to see from Jonah's attitude and Jonah's response to the situation and hopefully it's just been a reminder to us and a challenge to us of who our God is, who it is that we, um, we serve and who it is that we, we can rely upon um, when we come to him in prayer.